And we'll read the first six verses here. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, but uh, was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We're going to hold verse 4 and 5 for next week. And uh, we'll be looking at each character listed here, uh, uh, one or two at a time. But to this evening, we're going to look at verses 1, 2, 3, and 6, and at least begin that. And uh, the title of the Bible study is this, Learning to Live by Faith. Let's pray. Help us, Lord, to uh, glean much from the message tonight. And Lord, help us to evaluate where we are. Our theme this year is focused on love or charity. Uh, Lord, that is the greatest of the three, but faith is a vital, integral, necessary, uh, even a requirement to Christianity. And so, Lord, help us to see the importance of faith and help us to live by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, go back up with me uh, to verse number 37 of Hebrews chapter 10. Just a couple verses up. It says there, for yet a little while, and he... Uh, that shall come, will come, speaking of the rapture, uh, and will not tarry. Verse 38, but the just shall live by faith. But uh, if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. The just shall live by faith. That is a quotation from the book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, depending on how you pronounce it. Chapter 2 and verse 4, the just shall live by faith. Now, um, uh, remember that this book is written to uh, Hebrews, to the Hebrew folk or to the Jews who were either on the fence about becoming Christians or were new to Christianity and having a hard time with just leaving the ritualism of the Jewish religion behind. And so the author of the book of Hebrews has gone through great lengths through ten chapters to take everything that is a shadow of Christ and show how you should not worship the shadow when the substance of the shadow, Jesus Christ, has come, you worship Him. You don't worship the shadow, you worship Him. And so, now that Jesus has come, this changes everything. This changes everything. And so he takes 10 chapters to show that. And then he takes from verse 38 of Hebrews 10 all the way through the end of chapter 11, even into chapter 12 to show that, listen, even in Judaism, it was always about faith. It was always about faith. Now, uh, I want to show you how that Satan is the author of confusion here and how that Satan really just keeps using the same deception that he used thousands of years ago, he's still using it today. Uh, if I were, let me give you an example of how Satan works. Uh, if I were to tell you that there is a cultish religion in the world, this religion believes that you, uh, uh, or has traditionally believed that you could have more than one wife, 
they believe that, um, uh, let's see here. Uh, they, they believe that their their uh, their uh, their prophet was given their version of the Bible uh, by an angel. What religion would I be talking about? I would also be talking about Islam. You see how Satan has used the same tactic in two different cultures and created basically the same religion. And there's more parallels than just those two between Mormonism and Islam. There's a lot of parallels there. One is more wrapped around uh, traditional Christianity. The other one is just wrapped around a completely different belief system. But they both were brought about by the same lie. You know why? They have the same author. Well, Satan does the same thing with truth. You see, with Judaism, pure Judaism in the Old Testament uh, was the right religion. You may remember Solomon in his prayer in the book of Kings, one of the book of Kings. He prayed that outsiders would be able to come into the temple and would be able to hear the truth and know the truth. And there was a passage for a Gentile to become part of the Judaism religion. And that passage was faith. It was always about faith. In fact, the reason why Hebrews chapter 11 lists so many names is not so that these men can be elevated and lifted up. No, it's to show these people who have already put these folks up. Listen, they became great because they were people of faith. They were people of faith. They looked forward to the cross He, at this time, they looked at the cross because they were alive when uh, Jesus, most of these folks would have been alive when Jesus had lived and died. And we look back to the cross. We look back to the cross. Now you see how Satan took Judaism, which was a religion of faith, and with time, turned it into a religion of works. See how he did that? By the time Hebrews is written, Judaism has become more about the ceremonialism of the religion than it has been about the cross of Calvary, which all of that ceremonialism was supposed to point to. Hey, Satan does the same thing today. There are so many parallels with the way Judaism was was destroyed by Satan by turning it into ceremonialism and Christianity. Did you know that the early, early, early Catholic Church, I'm talking about right at its inception, did you know that its earliest priests and bishops, while they had the wrong piety within the church, did you know that they preached a salvation that was by grace? Through faith alone? They had it right very early on. And what happened to the Catholic Church? It became corrupted with the worshiping of the ceremonialism, the worshiping of the characters and uh, of Christianity and not faith. Not faith. That Satan has taken Christianity within the Catholic Church and he's made it about works. I was at a Catholic funeral once. Mark, I believe it was for your dad. I was sitting right next to you. And the priest at your dad's funeral, he read John fourteen six, And then he said, I sure hope that this man was good enough for God to let him into heaven. And I thought, you just read John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. They're blinded. They're blinded. Satan just keeps using the same old, and why would he need to change it up? Because he's leading a whole bunch of people into hell. 
You know, what the, what the author of Hebrews, and really what God's trying to drive home is this. You are not saved by works and a little bit of faith. You are only saved by faith. Let me, well, let me put it to you this way. I think this is a great example. A lot of people treat their salvation like a salad. The salad is works, and the dressing drizzled on top is faith. They think, well, I've got... I've got faith. Sometimes I'll ask somebody, do you know you're going to heaven? And they'll say yes. And I'll say, well, how do you know that? And they say, because I have faith. And I think, okay, in what? And I'll say, what do you have faith in? Well, I just believe. Well, that's great. Give me what you specifically believe in. It isn't just about having faith. It's obviously about having faith in Jesus. Now, to all of us here this evening, we believe that salvation is a gift of God given to us by our faith. Salvation is about Christ, and our faith is the avenue in which we receive it. But uh, what we need to be reminded about this evening is that we're not just saved by faith. We're cleaned up by faith. And faith is a lifestyle that we're called to live. And I'm going to tell you that we don't always live by faith. We live by sight. And we want to know what's in front of us. We want to see it. We want someone to, to give us a contract. We want to sign a contract. Uh, we, want, we want it in plain terms. And it's okay if your faith is not there with men. But we're called to have faith in God. Faith in God. So we're going to be reminded of that this evening. Let's jump into the outline this evening and notice, number one, faith's explanation. Faith's explanation. Look at verse number one. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, when I began this Bible study, um, I'm just going to tell you something. This is embarrassing because I'm a pastor and I'm a Bible college graduate. I have never understood Hebrews 11.1. 1. Never. I've read it and said, what? What does that even mean? How many of you here are with me? You've read Hebrews 11 and 1 and said, that is a little confusing. Okay? And so when I sat down and put this Bible study together, I said, it, I've been saved for 31, 32 years. It's time for me to figure this verse out. And so I pulled out every commentary I had, and, and uh, I, uh, I read and I studied and I parsed the words. And I believe I have a pretty good understanding of what this verse means now. A bunch of you didn't raise your hands. Now I feel really stupid. So thank you very, very much. I'm glad all of you had it figured out, uh, even though I didn't. But uh, let me, let's look at the verse here. Letter A, notice the foundation of faith. Look at the first half of the verse. Faith is the substance, the substance of things hoped for. That word substance uh, is a root word uh, that, uh, that means uh, the opposite of hypothesis. It's a fact. It is a, the word, the word actually means confidence. It is a confidence. And where do we find our confidence? We find our confidence in a strong foundation. We find our confidence in a strong foundation. Faith is the confidence. It is the assurance. It is the foundation of things hope for. What is it that we ha- we can put our faith in? We put our faith in what we can stand on and that is the truth of the Bible. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, faith is not just this blind throwing yourself in a black hole and hoping that hoping for the best. 
It isn't just this mythic, mythical sixth sense that you just have uh, one person skeptically define faith as believing in what you know to be impossible. That's not faith. Okay, uh, uh, Faith is, is looking at the body of evidence that's there and saying, you know what? There's enough there, even though I can't see it exactly, there's enough there uh, uh, for me to believe. It is the substance of things hoped for. One illustration that I, I stumbled upon uh, with this, a man said that he was uh, given a test tube in chemistry class his senior year of high school. And in that test tube, there was a substance there. And through pouring other chemicals into that uh, test tube, they had to figure out what the original uh, chemical in there was. And he said he just about blew up the laboratory at one point, pouring the wrong things in. But it took him two or three or four weeks. Finally, he was able to go to the professor after enough testing. And he was able to say, is, is it this uh, chemical? And he got it right. What did he have to do? He had to put work into figuring out uh, what it was. Now, I don't know uh, about you, but I don't think it really requires all that much effort to have faith in the Bible. The Bible was written by 29 or 30 men, depending on who wrote the book of Hebrews. It was written over a period of about 2,500 years uh, it, by men, most of which were not contemporaries or did not know each other. These men... Uh, wrote a book that has zero contradictions in it. None. How is that possible? If I were to take 29 of the most like-minded people in this room right here, and I were to uh, sit you down and say, we're going to write a book on immigration reform in the U.S., and I were to give each of you a different chapter to write, and told you that you're only allowed to have limited collaboration, and we're going to put those chapters together in a book, and we're going to distribute it, how many contradiction of thought would be in that one book? How much more complicated is the Bible and the topics of the Bible than the topic of immigration reform and there's not one contradiction? How is that possible? God wrote the Bible. And you see, here is what Hebrews 11.1, 1, I believe, is trying to describe. You must accept the Bible as the Christian dogma. If the Bible cannot be that substance, that foundation of things hoped for, that described that which we hope for, then my friend, you have no chance at being saved. I've, I've had people tell me, well, I want to believe in Jesus, but I, I just can't accept the Bible. Jesus endorsed the Bible with his own words. The Bible is the foundation of faith. Um, uh, letter B, knows the forensics of faith. The forensics of faith. Look at the rest of the verse. Faith is the substance, the, the evidence, uh, uh, the uh, confidence, the uh, foundation of things hoped for. And then we see the evidence of things not seen. Have you ever been standing outside on a windy day and seen leaves blow across a yard? Did you see the wind? You saw the evidence of the wind. Uh, uh, you, you sit in a car after snow has been covered on a roof, and then the wind will blow some snow off the roof. You're not seeing wind. You're seeing evidence of wind. Uh, I have been saved long enough where I don't need to question the Bible. You know why? Because I've been down those roads already. 
And I've already seen the Bible be proven over and over and over again. I don't need to question whether or not God is real. I've had enough examples of my life where the wind of, of, of has blown by and I've seen the handiwork of God in my life. The evidence of things not seen. Check this quote out here. Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present, present and the invisible as seen. Let me explain that quote. Leave it up there for a minute. All right. When I first read that quote, I really had to think about it. And then I began to look at Hebrews uh, chapter 11 and look at the examples there. Uh, let's see. Noah. Let me, let me use Noah as an example. All right. Noah's listed here. We'll look at him in a couple of weeks. Noah. God came to Noah and said, build a boat because it's going to rain. And Noah said, what is rain? And God said, it's water. It's going to fall out of the sky, and it's going to come up from beneath, and it's going to cover every mountaintop. It's going to kill every soul, and you need to build a boat. And Noah said, how do I do that? And God said, here's how to do it. Do it. Noah had to live as though it was the future, and his faith enabled him to do that. How about, um, uh, uh, how about these men who put their faith in a coming Messiah? Let me give you an example. Turn over to the book of, um, is, it, is it here? No, it's later in the message. We'll leave that alone. Um, uh, uh, they, they had to believe in a coming Messiah. Did they know that he was going to come? Boy, they had very limited information other than, hey, a Messiah is going to come and he's going to die. You know what? They had to believe that, their belief had enabled them to live as though it was the future How about Abraham? You remember when God told him, get up and leave and I'll show you to a land that you know not of? He had to live as though it was the future. He said, I'm going to give you a child and okay, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. And then that child was finally born after decades of being promised. And he said, put him uh, on an altar and plunge a knife into him and kill him. You know what he had to do? He had to say, Lord, I don't know how, but I'm going to have enough faith as though it is the future that you've already come through and I'm going to trust. Can I see? No, I'm going to believe anyway. How about Moses? God said to him, I want you to leave the backside of the desert. I want you to lead my people across the desert into the promised land. Moses said, I've never seen the promised land. God said, trust me, I promised it to your forefathers. I know what I'm talking about. Just do it. Faith enabled him. Now, how about us? How does this apply to us? Go back up to Hebrews 10.37. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Have you ever, as a Christian, have you ever had this fleeting thought? What if the rapture really isn't going to happen? What if it... I mean, this has been waited on for over 2,000 years. Every generation has been told, it's, it's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. You know what faith enables you to do? It enables you to live as though it's going to happen today. It enables you to live... Your soul to treat the future as present. How many of you have ever seen God? Don't raise your hand if you think you have. Trust me, you haven't. You'll make a fool of yourself, all right? Um, But we live as though we have. We live as though we have. It's the evidence of things not seen. Um, This is written on the outside. Can you turn over, hold your place there, can you turn over to Psalm chapter 19 and verse 1? It's a verse that uh, uh, many of us have memorized, but 
Just uh, go through the exercise of turning over there for me. I'll give you a minute to get there. Let's read it out loud together. Can we do that? Here we go. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Did I see God create the heavens? No. This evening we were riding in, and my, my son is going through... What is it? Uh, astro- is it astronomy? Which one is the study of the, of the sky? I don't want to say the wrong one. Because the other one's like this mythical thing we don't do. Astronomy. Okay, not astrology. Astronomy. So he's, he's studying that. And he's trying to find the Orion Belt and the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper and the North Star. Wow. Am I really going to look up at that and say, that's amazing that some explosion created that. Okay. All right. You know what? We have the evidence. We have the evidence that there was a God who created all this. It's written on the outside. Nature screams to us that God made it. Uh, It's not only written on the outside. It's written on the inside of our heart. Turn over to Romans chapter 1 and verse number 18. Romans chapter 1 and... Verse 18, for sake of time, I'm going to begin reading. You can get, catch up when you get there. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Look at 19, because that which may be known of God is manifested in them. For God hath showed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. 20 because that when they knew God, look there, they knew God, it, written on the inside, they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, their foolish hearts uh, was darkened. When I talk to someone, and, and I, this is a great tactic, I didn't uh, come up with this, I picked it up from somewhere else, but when I talk to someone who tells me there's an atheist, somewhere in the conversation, I just slip this question in, and, and I try to be very subtle with it, but I ask them this question, when did you convert to atheism? Do you know, every time I've ever asked that question, they've given me an answer. You know why? Because no one's born an atheist. Everyone is born believing in God, and they must make a choice to stop believing in God. It's written in our hearts. The evidence of things not seen. If there is no God, then why in every corner of the uncivilized world do they worship something? Because it's written in our heart to worship the supreme being that made us. The forensics of our faith. There are two types of faith. People will say to me, well, pastor, I just don't have faith. I've had a lot of people tell me that. They don't call me pastor. Uh, but, um, uh, but people out there will say, I, I, mister, I don't believe, uh, in, I don't have faith. I don't believe in faith. And I would say, yes, you do. Now, notice this. There are two types of faith. There's natural faith and there's spiritual faith. This is a very important distinction. All of us, all of us have natural faith. And that would be trusting in doctors. If I'm sick, let's say I uh, contract what Ms. Barb Plude has with the bronchitis or what Ms. Jen Medat had here with a kidney infection or just some other infection, I would go to a doctor that I don't know 
and I would have him fill out some prescription in, in uh, chicken scratch I can't read. And I would take that paper to a pharmacist with a, uh, with a, uh, a man, a, ph- a pharmacist I don't know, and I would give it to him. And he would take pills that I wasn't there when they were invented that were approved by an FDA official that I've never met. And he would count out the amount of pills. And I would take that pill that I have no idea what it is, and by blind faith from a doctor I don't know and a pharmacist I don't know, I would put that in my body and by blind faith I would hope that I would get better. Don't tell me you don't have faith. All of us got to church here somehow. Do you know you got here tonight by faith? You climbed in a car that you didn't engineer and invent and you drove past people you've never met, some of which could be drunk or high or both. And uh, and they could have swerved across that line and hit you. You got here tonight by faith. And if you didn't drive and someone else did, then you really got here tonight by faith. (laughs) We all have natural faith. I can keep listing example after example. There is a difference, though, between natural faith and spiritual faith. And notice this. In order to have natural faith, you must be born of a natural birth. In order to live with a spiritual faith... You must be born of a spiritual birth. The reason why folks do not have faith in God the way we have faith in God is because they've not yet born again. Let me put it to you this way. For Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to eat the fruit, it was very unnatural. You know why? They had a slant toward God. And they had to go hard against that slant to eat that fruit. Now, we're all born with a natural slant away from God. And just as hard as it was for Adam and Eve to eat the fruit and and, and go towards sin, it's equally as hard for people today to leave that sin and put their faith in God. And people must be conjoled and convinced by the Holy Spirit of God to take that first step to be born anew. They enter the family of God by faith, and all of a sudden, now they can have a reliance in a God that before they could not trust. They could not trust. It is a spiritual faith. Again, uh, uh, in order to have natural faith, you must have had a natural birth. In order to have true spiritual faith, you cannot have that unless you've had spiritual birth. Faith's explanation, the foundation, the substance is the Bible. The evidence is written on the outside. It is written on the inside. Number two, notice faith's elevation. Faith's elevation. Go back with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and look with me at verse number 2. It says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. Look at with me letter A, the elders' priority. Now, what is the author here masterfully doing? He's saying, hey, all of you that are having a hard time breaking away from animal sacrifices and the priesthood uh, and the prophets and prophecies and all of those things that you so loved and adored in the Judaism religion, hey, you have forgotten that the main tenet of Judaism was not supposed to be ceremonialism and works. It was originally faith. And every hero of the Judaism religion became a hero because they walked by faith. That has not changed. 
The just shall still live by faith. It was good enough for Habakkuk, and it's good enough for you today. You must learn to walk by faith. Notice letter A, the elder's priority. Look with, turn over with me to Job chapter 19, verse 25. I find this absolutely fascinating. Those of you that know your uh, Bible a little bit, you know that the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. So with that said, uh, Job was written, the book of Job was probably written after Mr. Job was dead. And so that means that Job had no Bible. Let me ask you a question. How good of a Christian would you be if there was no Bible? How much would you believe in God if you didn't have a Bible? I have to tell you, if the Bible was just stripped away from me and I could never own another copy, I would struggle. I really would. This is my lifeline. And so when you go back and you look at people who lived and they either had no scripture or a very limited amount of scripture, that is impressive. Look at Job chapter 19 verse 25. And keep in mind, there is no scripture because he, the the first book to be written is going to be written about him. For I know that my redeemer liveth, Job said, and that he shall stand at the latter day into the earth. Wow. He had his soteriology down. And his eschatology down. He had his gospel salvation and end times down with no Bible. That's impressive. You know where his priority was? It was in faith. Here Job, with no scripture, had a strong faith that his Messiah, his Redeemer, was going to come. Why is Job a big deal? Job is a big deal because Job had faith in God. If you go back to Hebrews 11 and you look at all of the names that are mentioned there. Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and, and, and Isaac and, uh, and Jacob. You go on down through, you see Abraham and you see um, uh, Joseph and you see Moses. And you go way on down and you have a long list of names that the author just threw out. Uh, Rahab and um, uh, you, you have all kinds of names in there. Barak and Gideon and Jephthah, David, Samuel. Uh, all of these men are listed here and they're a big deal. Their names are known throughout scripture for thousands of years only because they were men who had a full blown reliance in God. Letter B, notice the elders prestige. The elders priority, the elders prestige for by it, the elders obtained a good report. You know what that means? They had a great reputation. How do you build a strong reputation in heaven? By by living a life that's governed by faith. The more faith you can live by and walk by, the bigger deal you are with God. You say, well, pastor, we're not supposed to be a big deal. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 tells us that, uh, that, uh, that if, well, turn over there. 1 Peter is just a few pages to the right there. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. What is the carrot at the end of the stick? We humble ourselves. Why? So he can exalt us. You know why? Because we all want to be exalted. We do. That's just the honest truth. Now, you shouldn't act haughty when God exalts you, uh, but you ought to be humble. And as you humble yourself, he will exalt you in due time. Why are these men's names elevated? Why are they given a good report in Hebrews 12? We find that they're a great cloud of witnesses in heaven. How did they get there? Because they walked by faith. If you want to be edified in heaven and in, in, in your name be lifted up high in heaven, then learn to walk by faith. You know what faith, 
faith, you can't walk by faith unless you're walking humbly. Because faith says, I trust God. Pride says, I trust me. Pride says, I've got this. Uh, 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 faith says, I don't got this. God's got this. Pride says, I don't need to pray today because I got it all figured out. Faith says, I'm a mess. I'm broken. I'm limited in what I know. God, you know everything. I need to pray about everything. You see the difference? Faith can only be lived if you live a life of humility. Pride takes away faith because your faith is not in God, it's in you. Faith's elevation. Number three, notice faith's enlightenment. Faith's enlightenment. Look at verse three. I could preach two, three, four sermons just on verse three. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. You know what that means? God made everything out of nothing. And if somebody tries to tell you that everything was made out of something other than nothing, they don't know what they're talking about. It takes faith to believe that God made the heavens and the earth. Some evolutionists were having a debate with a creationist, and the evolutionist said, are you trying to tell me that all of the dogs, the different breeds of dogs in the world, came from two dogs that walked off Noah's ark? That's crazy. And the, the creationist looked at the evolutionist and said, are you telling me that two dogs came from an explosion in space millions of years ago? Now that's crazy. You see, we weren't there when the world was made. Nobody was. I am tired of, uh, of a school system that tells our kids that evolution isn't a theory anymore, but it's just a fact. What? Listen, I've had, I've had adults who believe in God and are saved who grew up in a public school system and were taught evolution from kindergarten through 12th grade. They still think that evolution is a valid option. Oh, no, no, my friend. God created the world, Genesis explains, in six literal days. Again, Psalm 19.1 tells us the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his majesty. I told this joke a couple of years ago, so hopefully you all have forgotten. Amen. Scientists came to God and said, we don't need you anymore. We have figured out how to make life out of dirt, like you did. We want to challenge you to a contest because we think that we can make life better than you can. And so God agreed to the challenge, and they showed up at, uh, uh, at the competition, and there was a pile of dirt for God, and there was a pile of dirt for the scientists. And right before they got started, God looked at them and said, get your own dirt. You, you can't use the dirt that I made. I made that dirt. Get your own dirt. By faith we believe that the heavens were framed. Do you know that even evolutionists have faith? They don't believe in God. They believe that, I've read in a science textbook, that a period, no, uh, the dot no bigger than the period at the end of this page, exploded. Really? Really? 
there are three uh, there are three things that are required for uh, for something to be made out of nothing. You have what, you have when, and you have where. What is matter? When is uh, time? Where is space? For nothing to be made out of everything, all three of those things must come into existence at the same time. If you have what and when, but you don't have where, where do you put it? If you have uh, if you have when and where, but you don't have what, then you have nothing to put there. If you have what and when, or what and where, but you don't have when, there's no time to put it in. And so for all three of those to come into existence at once, you know what you need? You need a God. You need a creator. You need someone to create all of it at once. I'm impressed I was able to do that and not mess up. (laughs) Faith's enlightenment. When you begin to believe in God, you know what? It's just really easy to look around and say, God, you're amazing. I love to pray out in nature because I love to look at the handiwork of God. I was sitting down here in Booth Park a few months back before it got cold out. And uh, there, a bird flew overhead and then a plane flew overhead. And I thought, boy, that plane sure looks clunky in comparison to the way God made it. Boy, God's just so much better at this. And we begin to see the world in a whole other spectrum when we walk by faith. By the way, it offers a perspective, doesn't it? I'll just finish with this thought. Um, If God can make everything out of nothing, if God can know all of the facts of the world, if if God is that powerful, um, what am I worried about? Why am I walking around worried about my tomorrows? Why am I concerned about my money? Why, Why am I concerned about my health? Why am I concerned about the way people are treating me? My relationships. If God can really do all that and He promises that He loves me infinitely, why am I walking around as a worry ward? Boy, it just comes down to faith. You cannot have faith and fear together. Either fear displaces your faith or faith displaces your fear. Well, you get to choose. Let's stand together to be closed with the word of prayer. And uh, we'll look at um, the fourth point and then jump into the examples.